Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. It is a Monday edition of Flyers Daily, 6th of March, 2023, as the Flyers post-trade deadline had their first game against the Detroit Red Wings, which is a team that we'll probably mention again. Uh, Flyers get a 3-1 win, but joining us right now to break down that game, the trade deadline, what did happen and did not happen, and much more from PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. It is Bill Meltzer. Bill, how you doing? We are going into the uh, stretch drive here, final 20 games. So, uh, you know, it's uh, been, shall we say, an interesting week. Yeah, it has, it, it has not lacked uh, some drama and storyline without question. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting week coming up, too, with some really tough opponents on the schedule. I mean, you're looking at a week with the Lightning, with Carolina and Pittsburgh on the road, and then you'll come home uh, for a seven-game homestand uh, before heading back out on the road for one against Ottawa. But let's start, Bill, with the game real quick because they get the 3-1 win uh, over Detroit. It's the debut of Brendan Lemieux. It's a bit of a, I guess, a 20-game look here at the end of the season if not for the Flyers, but for his next NHL contract. And frankly, you know, you look at this game and, and these remaining 20 games, and that's the case for a lot of guys. They're fighting for jobs. Even a guy that didn't get traded, like James Van Riemsdyk, his contract is up. So he's basically playing for his next one. Yep, that's, uh, you know, the, the main thing that can keep you keep players motivated at this time of year, because obviously the playoffs aren't happening, but it's, that's uh, that. That's it. I mean, and even then, it's it's a challenge to to sustain that for over twenty game stretch. But uh, the, the Flyers played a solid game. You know, you, you go in and and I mean, you look at you look at it logically and going into the game. And, and I did it in the I wrote about it in the five things uh, the game preview today. Um, the deck was a little bit stacked in the Flyers' favor, and I say that because. Detroit was playing the fifth, their fifth game in seven nights. And the Flyers only had one game all week. So they were a rested team. Detroit was a tired team. Detroit traded a bunch of bunch of guys to the deadline, you know, and and uh I mean you know, both teams had been in the middle of winless streaks, but I, I thought Detroit might come in a little flat and by the third period be a little tired out. Um and, and more or less the third third period was, was you know the Detroit put a little, little bit of a push for a little while, but I mean, it was, it was really that way. The, the Flyers did what they were supposed to do. Uh, they went right at the Detroit defense on the forecheck. They controlled puck possession. They kept putting pucks on, on Huso, who had a very good game in net for them, actually. Oh, he was great. <laughs> yeah, and, and um, you know, just kind of stuck with it. You know, you're you're trailing by one after the first period, and uh, obviously, the turning point of the game is. Delorier's shorthanded breakaway goal. That, that, that's that's a no-brainer pick for you know the turning point of the game. But just uh, kind of kind of a methodical win, but but a quality win. And um, yeah, and, and Husa was great. I mean, uh, just uh, just drove Faraby alone. Yeah, on, on great eight chances. You know, buries buries all three of them. You know, it uh, breaks out of a slump in a big way, and then. Had another probably a grade B chance too along the way tonight too. So, you know, but uh, that that was a positive step for him. And uh, you know, Tippett didn't get a point, but he was he was all over the place again. Yeah. So, um, and and of the chances they had, maybe look at Faraby's chances. Frost set up several. So guys who wanted to see step up did that. Um, Lemieux came in trying to impress. Uh, had I think five hits tonight. So, you know, it was uh, it was. 
it was a good way a good way to start the the home stretch of the season. And you know, it's not about wins and losses anymore, but it's just about continuing to try to to play the right way, be competitive, and, and establish some good things to to wrap up the season. So, um, you know, I I I know. I mean, ultimately, the the toughest games are yet to come. Games where the Flyers are not going to be at an advantage. Uh, it's going to be really interesting, Jason, to see uh, what happens with Tampa Bay because uh, you know it's been, uh, it's been. I was talking about a tough week. It's been a tough week for them. Their star They've players up twenty-seven been, goals, Bill, in their last five games. Yeah, yep, yep. They their top players got benched by Cooper. You know they they're they'll 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 be fired up to play the Flyers next game. So uh, Flyers have to be ready for that. You know, or or you can say maybe they're catching them at just the right time. Injuries, I I, I don't know, but um, you know, it, it it's one one thing is uh, you know playing the spoiler sucks, and ultimately you do want the you know it would be nice to have the better draft odds, but you go into every game competing and seeing where the chips fall. So that that's kind of I think the attitude right now. Yeah, and Torch said you know I'm going to coach every game to win. I owe it to those guys to do that yeah. and. Where the chips fall, the chips fall. We'll have a, plenty of time to talk about the NHL draft lottery and the draft and all that at the brief time. Um, but let's get to the trade deadline, Bill, because obviously that's a huge element of the storyline over the past week. Deadline comes Friday, 3 o'clock. Flyers have four guys that are going to be UFAs after this season. They trade two of them. Zach McEwen goes to the LA Kings. Uh, they get a fifth-round pick. And Brendan Lemieux, they take to him off of Rob Blake's hands to give him an opportunity and you know they'll get a look at him and other teams will get a look at him as well wasn't getting that opportunity in LA and then they trade uh, Patrick Brown to the Ottawa Senators they get a sixth round pick uh, they opted well I don't know if they opted to but the, no deal for Justin Braun who they did trade at the deadline last year you can kind of see that you can go okay he hasn't played a whole lot he's been a healthy scratch quite a bit um, maybe a team looked at him at a depth role but opted not to go after him uh, but James Van Riemsdyk was the guy the the most talented player for the Flyers that was available at the deadline, Chuck and uh, both John Tortorella said last week were sellers. Problem is nobody bought. So yeah. when you see how that played out uh, with James Van Riemsdyk not being dealt, we know the deal fell through with Detroit because it was contingent on another move. Uh, I don't think that even made sense for him to go to Detroit, but that's not my decision to make. But um, when you look at it, what do you think happened here? Well, the uh, contingency, as you said, was to to move another contract, um, which, given that, and I and and um, I'd like to get further clarification on this, and I'll, and I'll, I'll try to get that. Um, Chuck Fletcher indicated and said it on the press conference afterwards that, of course, the Flyers would eat the fifty percent maximum on the cap hit, which was kind of known beforehand. Also said he'd be willing to take back contract. Um, if that if that would help help everything work out cap wise, um, I, I asked Chuck for further clarification on that. What were the parameters of what kind of contract you might take back? And, and he said essentially that he he would only take back uh, an expiring deal uh, unless it was someone that was going to, in his opinion, help the team for an extended period of time. So by nature, that the fact that he took on Lemieux's contract, uh, whatever whatever Detroit was trying to do that they weren't able to finish where they weren't able to consummate makes me think that they were trying to move someone who had some term left. Um, Otherwise so, Chuck would have just taken that player off their hand. Well, 
would just taken that player, correct? Yep. So, um, I, I think I think that's how it ultimately went down that way. Um, you know, listen, you know, there's, there's no there's, there's no two ways about it. it. It sucks for it to come down to 1:40 p.m. on deadline day, and you're you're all, all you're all you have is you know a contingency trade where so a team has to move a guy with term to be able to make that trade. So that that's that's tough. You know, I I think that. When it comes to being, when it comes to general manager work, you know, we all have the benefit of hindsight. And, um, you know, it, it's a whole different thing to have foresight and have insight, right? Um, so, it, you know, insight is you read the market. You read the market and, and you, you see what may or may not be out there. What else might you have to do to be able to move multiple salaries? Whatever the case might be. Um, you know, Chuck said ultimately that the uh, the market spoke, and it did, and that meant that he didn't read the market right. I mean, that that's just, you know, just objectively. Um, you know, now, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, you know, I talked about foresight also. You know, it, it's um, if you go back to when JVR came back into the lineup, those first 17 games after he came back from the, the surgery, the uh, the index finger. Hit 13 points in those 17 games, and the Flyers started winning during that stretch. And he was playing with with uh, Owen Tippett and Morgan Frost, and he got a lot of credit for for their surge during that particular period of time. You know, and looking back, that might have been the time to move him. Yeah, um, the the, the Flyers would not. Yeah, he he would have been a peak value, and and you could have at, at that point. At that point, really, trades haven't happened yet. You eat the fifty percent. You say, "I'll take on one of your expiring deals." I'll bet. I bet you back then, mid January, that would have gotten done, and the Flyers probably would have gotten a, a second round pick. But that's easy for me to say, sitting here after the deadline, you know, and and, uh, and who's to say the JVR wouldn't have continued a pretty good run for another four or five weeks, you know, and then and then the value would have gone up even more, right? So it's 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 easy to it's easy to sit back and look at, but. I, I do think that I do think that Chuck misread the market here, and it, it, it it's a it's a tough look. You know, it's been it's been a rough season, uh, season plus. So many so many things that the Flyers were banking on, whether it was uh, Ryan Ellis or or Sean Couturier being healthy this year. You know, some some of these major things didn't work out, and and pretty much blew up in the Flyers' faces because these guys have been not available at all, right? And, and there was a lot of, you know, a lot of people wanted Johnny Goudreau sign this summer. And while that was while that was going down, you, you, you and I, I mean, even, even before that, you and I, and I think we agreed on this, that I, I didn't think that as much as Goudreau would have helped offensively, I didn't think he was the right guy that they needed at that time. Yeah. And I still don't think that. I, I, I don't think that being – I don't think seven years – you know, I, even then it was kind of obvious that, that a certain amount of rebuilding was needed. And if you, you tie no yourself matter what in, you called it, <laughs> yeah, no matter, no matter what you call it. Yeah. No matter, no matter what terminology you used, if you're in eight, nine years, you know, um, not nine years, because eight is the max, but, but if you would have done a seven year deal to sign them from the outside, 
or if you would have done something creative like a one year followed by you know followed by an eight year extension or, or whatever 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 means whatever means would have brought Gujo in. I mean the, the positives are certainly he'd probably be leading the team in scoring, although you know, although he has not been quite a point a game in Columbus, but but we know what he can do. We know we know what a talent yeah. he is. Um but you know, given the way that everything else happened this season with all the other key injuries, would Johnny Gouda or anybody really have moved the needle that dramatically that the Flyers would be in much better shape than they are right now? And I, and I would say no. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it's a one-year thing. But I, but I do think that the reaction within the fan base, it's not just JVR. It's been an accumulation of things, and, and that just kind of came to a head. Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. It's not G- the the inability to move JVR in a capsule. Yeah. It's the confluence of everything that has the fan base so upset. And while this is, you know, I said this on yesterday's episode, Bill, that whatever they would have gotten for JVR, even if it was a conditional second, wasn't going to move the needle needle immediately, no matter what. But it's the optics of it that you were unable to move your most worth worthy piece at the deadline. And, you know, Flyer fans are are beaten up from the last two and a half years. Rightfully, the, I mean, they're they're punch yeah. drunk at this point. So yeah, it's, it's been it's definitely it's been one punch after another and one frustration after another. And mm-hmm. you know, listen, three three straight years out of the playoffs, four in the last five. That, that's not that's not what this franchise has grown used to over the years, and, and, and the and the admission yeah. that it's a rebuild, and you know next year is probably the the same type of thing, barring you know right. lottery luck and a, a lot of really you know big things to happen. But let me let me ask you about Kevin Hayes because his name was brought up quite a bit at the deadline by Elliot Friedman and others, and you know there there's kind of this notion that sometimes a general manager will give an agent, you know, the leeway to shop a deal and come to me with the deal. And we can see if we can work something out at some place. Your guy wants to go. We know Kevin Hayes much rather be in, you know, playing the center position as opposed to wing. He was at center last night, oddly enough, but you know, the notion that he's going to be moved after the season and, and Fried's brought up Columbus. Now we know Johnny Gaudreau's there. Columbus doesn't want to make that deal at this time because frankly, they want to be bad. And, you know, they they play out this season, be as bad as they can, get as many lottery balls as they can for Connor Bedard. And Kevin Hayes would be, you know, a likely destination for him in the offseason. Is that how you see that kind of playing out? That's uh, that's certainly a possibility. Um, You know, I mean, obviously, I'd also like to go home to Boston, but the Bruins are so deep. You know, they they don't, you know, they don't really need Hazy right now, so. Yeah, I mean that's a that is a scenario. Um, you know, I don't, I I know he has uh, was it a fourteen team no trade yeah. list, but those those things can be those things can be worked around. You know, yeah, I think it's a, a 10, 10 team. 10 no trade. 10? Okay. Yeah. So that's uh, you know that, that's 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 an obstacle. The the bigger obstacle is, you know, you're still talking about three years of term. So if you're yeah, if you're and eating, retention, and yes, three years of term with retention. You know, and and it wouldn't be fifty percent, but it would still be a pretty good chunk. You're talking about three years of dead cap space. If you're if you're taking that on, 
you had better make the right trade. Not not just you know, not just addition through subtraction. It has to be addition. It has to be an upgrade. Um, and and yes, obviously, obviously, getting a little more cap flexibility carries value too. And and, and in today's game, cap space is a huge commodity. Mm-hmm. But that being said, still, I still think it needs to help you on the ice. The Flyers, Flyers need to Flyers need to be better on the ice. Period. Right. Um, you know, if, if you look over, uh, if you look over the last thirty-five games now, right, and and uh, you know, Konechny's the only guy over a point a game, and and he's we don't know when he's coming back if he's come back this season at all. Yeah. You know. Um, now now. Uh, Scott Lawn and congratulations to Loft for his 500th game. It's a nice accomplishment and got the empty netter. Um, you know, if you, if you look, so I, so if you look over the last 35 games, um, Konecki's leading the team in scoring. Um, and then you, the next one down is, is Lawton. I think he has 26 points over the last 35 games. And then it's Frost with 23 points. And then it's uh, Tippett with 22 points. And then it, you know, from the, I mean, that's, that's not a lot of production. That's no. not a lot of production. This team struggles to score. And, you know, and and it's great. And and as much as I love the way Tippett's been playing, he still he still needs to finish more of those. Yep. You know, he, he makes great moves, is involved in all these chances. Some, some more of those have to start going in. Um, He's got to learn the NHL year, finish is a little different than the AHL. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, and you know, like in the the Rangers game, um, scored that nice goal. Um, got you know, was, was a turnover right into his stick, and he got rid of the puck right away. Nice, nice goal. But he could have had three goals that night. Easily could have had a hat trick. Yeah. And one of them was just absolutely point blank and put it off the post. That will happen from time to time to, to any player. With, with Tip, I think it happens quite a bit. And yeah. you know, we saw a little bit of that last year when he came over from Florida. Um, involved in all kinds of chances and not all that many actually, you know, he played a lot better than his numbers looked. Even yeah. this year, it was, he's at 18 goals, but just based on scoring chances, grade A chances, to me, could already be 30, he could already, already be flirting with 30 goals. But just, just based on the number of chances he's had. Um, you know, so, you know, I'd like to see him start converting some of those into goals. Um, you know, Frost, I mean, he, he's the number one thing you need out of him is production. You know, 23 points in 35 games is nothing to write home about. That's, it's okay. It's okay. It's improvement. But if he's if he's going to play in your top two lines, you need more than that from him. And, and, and he goes straight on down the line. I said, if, if, he's th- if he's third in scoring over the last 35 games, Tippett is fourth at 22 points, that, that tells you, again, you're not getting a whole lot of offense. Um, yeah. I, I, Farabee... I really don't. That that's one of the biggest, and most encouraging signs I got out of the Detroit game, because although he didn't end up with any points, he looked closer to himself, and he it was another step from the Rangers game. The Rangers game, I thought he took a step forward. This game, I thought he took another step forward. It would be really nice if he could have a strong finish. Yeah. You know, just just some of these younger guys, um, you know, something. If not totally bankable, at least at least looking like they're ready to break out next year, and that's you know, and, and that goes for other guys too, right? It goes for Cam York. Um, it, it you know, 
I mean, one of the Flyers' biggest issues is really, really since the All Star break. Um, now they they did get did get a three last night with an empty netter, but three even even for that, like three goal nights are hard for them to come by, which doesn't leave you much margin for error. Yeah. You know, they 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 had in the first period, the Flyers really outshot and outchanced Detroit, and they go off trailing. Um, probably on a probably on a shot that uh, that Carter might have liked back. Um, kind of shot through him, yeah. But be be that as it may, it, hey, you, you know you're giving him no margin for error, and that that's so often the case. They they played well against the Rangers, well enough to lose, well enough to get one point. Yeah. Um, you know, and and unless you upgrade the talent on the roster and, and get some of these, get some more frontline guys, you know that that's what it's going to be. That that is exactly yeah, precisely, Jason. That's exactly what it's going to be, and. You know, so if you're if you're moving Hayes, no, you know, no, Kevin Hayes is not a frontline elite talent, but but he's one of the Flyers' two or three best offensive players. Yeah, and if, if you're moving him, you know, you, again, you have you have to be sure you're upgrading. That's the point. And and that's I talked about that quite a bit on yesterday's episode. Um, the notion of it. The first time I heard Torts mention addition by subtraction was in one of our meetings before a game where we meet with him kind of the, the broadcast group, and we talk about a number of different things. Then he's mentioned it a couple times in press conferences. But I need to know, and I'm going to ask him this, I think he's coming on this week, what addition by subtraction looks like. Yeah. Because addition by subtraction is is simple in the notion of, hey, at our workplace, we got rid of a guy who was a drag on our bandwidth, and we're more efficient without him. But on a hockey team, everybody plays except for maybe the backup goaltender. And there is a cost per replacement, and there is the efficiency or production of the replacement. So if it's addition, but you can't just simply take somebody away and expect to be better. Because is addition by subtraction replacing a guy like Kevin Hayes, a 30-year-old player, with a cheaper player, a younger player, a combination of the two? What is what does that mean? Is addition by subtraction an addition that helps you next year or long term? Because you know my philosophy on it, Bill, is I don't think this team can take a step backwards next year after the this draft of 2023 and all that goes with it and all the assets that have been sent out to get Tony D'Angelo and Rasmus Ristolainen and second round picks and all that and take another step back next year. So no, for, no, I don't know what sure. that looks like. I, I don't know how to quantify addition by subtraction. No, no, for sure. And and you, you just raised a really good point. You know, last season was supposed to be the bounce back year to what they did in, in 2019-20. Yep. Uh, you know, they had the, the COVID year, and you're okay, well, it's the COVID year, you know, et cetera. This uh, is unre- unexpected retirement, all those things. You know, so the, the they tied a lot, they they tied a lot of hopes into into several moves, um, you know, and, and and just so many of these, you know, it was really just uh, in some cases, some cases just sheer bad luck, like uh, like Atkinson not being available at all this year. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it really, you know, there. I mean, Kyrie too, frankly, getting the injury in the middle of the summer. Yeah, no, well, for, well, for sure, for sure. Um, not, not that, not that I think Bobby Brink was going to help a ton this year, but that's a, 
you know, that's yep. a young player with some offensive ability and he has hip surgery. So he's out for half a year and is spending the second half of the year rehabbing the American league team. Um, just, just what, it, you know, truly Murphy's law, uh, the way that it's, the way that it's played out. And, but with all the assets that were traded um, for Ristoline and for D'Angelo, you can't, you can't keep doing that. And it's been harder to replenish some of those assets than was hoped. And that, and that, that leads into some of the JVR stuff where, you know, I don't know, maybe it would have ended up that you didn't get a second round pick. It just hurt. It but it hurts again. Nothing. You know, that's, that's really, that's really the frustration here. Yeah. And it's the cumulative as well. Um, you, you know, that addition by subtracting thing has been haunting me because <laughs> I'm just trying to figure, figure it out. And I, I mean, at some point we'll get into, you know, the biggest questions of the off season and, you know, I really have no clue. I mean, they've all acknowledged rebuild, but I have no kind of clue what tactic, what that looks like right now. I really don't. And I like to, you know, me, you and I, Bill, we like to remain rational and analytical and try to remove emotion from it. But I'm trying to, I'm trying to come up with a rational path or a logical path. And at this point, I just don't know because I don't know what's going to happen with the lottery and all that, but I'm going off on a tangent and there'll be plenty of time for that. Um, 20, 19 games left at this point. Now um, I think one of the things that's really important, Bill, there's, there's still a lot to prove for a lot of guys, you know, Morgan Frost has a lot more to prove. Travis Sanheim, frankly, has got a lot more to prove. You know, there's other guys, Faraby, you mentioned before, Cam York finishing this thing out, uh, with the term I used with torts was dignity. And this is where I think you can learn a lot about pros, professionals, because professionals come and they they treat the game pretty much the same. They're human, but they treat the game 98% the same because they're pros, because they're paid to do it and it's their job. And they have, you know, they, they approach the game in an honest manner. So I think you can learn a lot in these final 19 games. The results may not be great. And their lottery hopes and percentages may come down to their last two games of the year against Columbus and Chicago of all teams. They're like the Bedard games, right? So when you look at it, finishing this year with dignity, I think is going to be the ultimate tell-all on the character of a lot of these guys. Oh, no question. No question. You know, the uh, because because what you're playing for, and but you know, you, you, it's such a cliche to say playing for pride, but but there but there is an element of pride and professionalism in that, in that you that you go out and you can play in a way where you, you if you knew nothing else about the game, you would think you you're playing for a playoff spot, and but you're playing like that anytime any time of the year. Every everybody has their off nights. Yeah, but. You know, but just that that consistency, that preparation level. Um, you know, when there is when there is a day to practice, you know, is is he kind of mailing it in that day, or is he, you know, is is he going the extra mile? Is he uh, like like we were talking about recently about being hard to play against versus being really hard to play against? Yeah, yeah, and, and, and it's just you know, it's it's just those those little nuances, the little distinctions, um, because everybody in the NHL. Is talented. You, guys who are guys who are fourth line players who play 
a couple, you know, well, nobody really plays just a few minutes a night. They play more like eight minutes a night, 10 minutes a night sometimes. But, you know, but at some level, these, these guys were the scorers, you know, and they, they learned how they had to play different levels as they move up the ladder. Look at the, uh, you know, look, look at the breakaway goal that Delorier scores. We're certainly not a skilled player at the NHL level, but you see like, hey, you know, like compared, compared to the average hockey player, anybody who plays pro has some skill. Um, yeah. It's part of that is part of, part of being a pro is knowing what your role is, knowing that, you know, knowing what you, knowing what you are and what you're not at, at the pro level, knowing what works for you and what doesn't work for you. Um, and bringing that on a consistent basis so that you're not, it's not a guessing game. Um, you know, the, some of, some of the most frustrating players are, are guys I call scorers in theory because the, you know, they, they have the pedigree from other levels where they scored. They have the skill set. You, you see flashes of it. You, you see little stretches where they're, they're productive and then it disappears for weeks at a time sometimes. And, you know, you give guys a fair chance to work through that, but at, but at a certain point you go, yeah, it, you know, we need someone we can rely on. And that's, uh, that's what these players are trying to show that they can be, relied on or, or they're they're continuing to progress towards that at least it's interesting scorers in theory because there's a lot of guys that, that are that scorers in theory but when you look at the score sheet at the end of the night they're not on it yeah. you need that score to not be in theory but to be in reality yeah. and you know it's interesting because i talked to carter after the game last night after the 3-1 win over detroit and i'm going to put that interview in tomorrow's podcast and he's played 12 of the last 14 games. He's played a heavier workload this year than he's ever played before. And I asked him, you know, with, with the way the schedule is now at this point in the season for the team, without five games in seven days and having a little bit of separation between games and all that, still some back-to-backs to come on the 17th of 18th of March. But, you know, is this workload, do you like the heavy workload? And he goes, I'd play every game if they let me. Yeah. And – you know, Torts has talked about his mentality all season. And that's a mentality that I want all my guys to have. Now, it's different for a goalie because a goalie doesn't play every game. Forwards and skaters do for the most part. But that mentality that I want to be in there to help my team win every night and contribute. And that's a mentality and a maturity that I can rely on. That's in reality. That's yeah. That's not a gamer in theory. That's a gamer in reality. No, no question. And and one of the areas where he's grown the most has been that, like uh, like, like last night, he let in a goal that if you asked him, he would say he sh- he should have probably yeah. you know ninety five times out of a hundred. Yep. But you know what? It's past him. Face off center ice and right right back. Got refocused. Yep, and that's right out that, of the mind and move forward. And that, that is, that's so huge for any player, but especially for a goalie. And you, you need that, you need that mindset, that tunnel vision to just keep going forward. Yep. Keep um, battling. Yeah. And, and that, that, that's a big part when, when Tortorella talks about an identity and a standard that, that, that is the very mentality that he's talking about. Um, just, just keep battling. No matter what it is, and then, you know, it's a find a way league too, as he's also fond of saying. Um, that's really, that's really what they, 
what they're going for. And also the reason why you can't just tank. You can't just mail it in every day because that, that establishes that opposite mentality. Yeah. You know, that, that gets you in that, okay, well, here we go again. You know, <laughs> how bad is it going to be tonight? You, you, yeah. you know, the Flyers are not going to compete with the top teams. We've seen that it, even the stretches of the year where things were other guys going well and they, they'd run into a Boston or they would run to Toronto or, you know, and they, they'd have little pockets of the game where they were in it, but ultimately they lose by multiple goals. So they're just not good enough yet. Um, but they, but they kept battling and that that's what I want to see. No matter, no matter how many wins and losses there are the rest of the season. I think it's the same thing we've been saying all season long. I, I want to see them be competitive. Part of, part of why February was so disappointing was that for the first time all year, they had, they had multiple non-competitive losses. Yeah. And it was in, in danger of getting back to where it was a year ago and in danger of getting back to where it was two years ago when the wheels fell off and they never got, they never got the ship righted. So the, the last few games, even, even ahead of, uh, you know, even ahead of the deadline, the Rangers game and, and, and last night's game, you know, it doesn't matter that you got three out of four points because at this point, the points don't matter. But, but the fact that the, the fact that you came out and reset and you got, you know, played a couple competitive, strong games, that, that that's what you want to see. And that, that's what you need to build off of moving forward. Yeah, well said. Now we'll wrap it up there. I just want to give one parting thought real quick because I, I thought about this. And, you know, the Rangers game caused a lot of acrimony on social media, a little bit on the airwaves as well here in Philadelphia. Yeah. And I found it interesting because there was a bit of hypocrisy to it. Because a lot of the people that were complaining that that building was full of Ranger fans, and I hated it. I hated seeing all those blue jerseys. Yeah, It disgusts me. But the hypocrisy in it is a lot of those people are calling for the team to tank. And what do you think this entire year would have looked like in that building had they done that and put out an inferior team on purpose to basically lose on purpose? What do you think that building would have looked like when every other team came to town, the Devils, the Penguins? They would have all filled the building. That would have been more nights than not had they done that because it's undignified. So, yeah, it was embarrassing when the Rangers came in and did that. Had they put it, had they gone out with the mentality to lose on purpose, it would have been way more often. And you can't complain about that when you're asking a team and preferring that the team lose. Yeah. That's my I, I, yeah. I, I cannot abide that mentality. I just, I just can't. Well, you can't I complain can't. about that. Yeah. If, if you yeah. want the team to suck so you yeah. can get, Bedard. like I want the team to get Bedard or get Fantilli or Carlson or Michoff, any of those guys. Like I want that too, but I am not going to complain if I want that and I want the team to lose on purpose, that there's a bunch of the opposition team's fans in the stands. If I'm asking them to lose on purpose. Yeah. Oh yeah. They, they, they just, you know, well, it's, you know, three points for everybody night. And, and yeah. it's, uh, and, and it's not, you know, it's not fair to your goalie. It's just, it's not fair. It, it just, it, it isn't, it isn't fair. You know, is not fair to the paying fans? Why, why would they come out? Why would they come out at all? If, uh, you know, uh, it's the entertainment business too, and, and I'll tell you, the that, Sixers like, tanked. They didn't come out. Yeah. That place nope. was a ghost town. 
You could yeah. buy a roast oh, for ten bucks. Yeah, well, for sure, for sure, it, it, and it was a ghost town for years, and you know, and, and for all the tank, tank, tank processed people, yeah, sometimes it pays off. Yeah, you got him beat, and just yeah. as often it doesn't. Yeah, you also got Ben Simmons and Markel yeah. Fultz and right. Julio Okafor, and you haven't gotten past the second round of the playoffs. That, that uh, all of that is correct. I know you're <laughs> preaching the choir here, but that's absolutely, absolutely, and and. You know, and and I hope you know Edmonton and, and uh, although although I think this will be the last year if Buffalo does miss the lower wild card, I do think Buffalo is finally on track to be a playoff team a year yeah. from now. Agreed. But well, how many years is it now? How many years out of the playoffs now? Is that really what you want? Yeah. Well, I mean, the Leafs are going to end up losing Austin Matthews. He's going to be coming south of the border. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers, when Connor McDavid's contract is up, is he's going to leave the Edmonton Oilers and he's going to come south of the border. All these players going to be the the players. They're not all Canadian because Austin Matthews is American from Arizona. They're all coming south, Billy. <laughs> we'll see if Bedard's coming south as well. Um, all right, that's going to put a wrap on this episode of Flyers Daily. Uh, rebuild stuff on PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. We'll preview Flyers Lightning in tomorrow's episode. Everybody have... A great Monday. We'll talk to you tomorrow on a brand new Flyer Daily. Can you hear me? Hear me screaming.